If you want to experience some of the best mountain views that you can in Colorado, you might just want to make a trip to Nederland. This small town is about 25 minutes east of Boulder, and it sits 8,000 feet above sea level. It's a beautiful little town. It's got green pine trees all over the place. There's skiing, there's hiking, there's mountain biking. And there's one other thing. Perched on one of its mountains is a very small, very inconspicuous shed. And inside that shed is the corpse of a Norwegian grandpa. He's been laying there, preserved in ice, for more than 30 years. My name is Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we are going to Nederland, Colorado, to tell you how that Norwegian grandpa got into that shed and where he's going next. After this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. Once upon a time, there was a Norwegian gentleman named uh, Bredo Mostel. He was a supervisor in the Oslo uh, Public Works Department, so Parks and Recreation. He had a green thumb, and uh, he loved the outdoors and was such a kind gentleman that he was the patriarch of the family. That is Brad Wickham. He got to know Bredo Mostel almost a decade ago, at which point he'd only been dead for, you know, 20-some years. Brad is Bredo's caretaker. Yes, Bredo is dead, but he still needs a caretaker. But we'll get back to that. Bredo grew up in Norway and was a lover of the outdoors. He especially loved hunting and cross-country skiing. Skiing was his passion. And uh, I believe it was that he was skiing when he had his heart attack at 89 years old. When Bredo died in 1989, his grandson Trigvi had what he considered a brilliant idea. Trigvi was a big believer in cryonics. Cryonics is the process of freezing a body at hundreds of degrees below zero so that you might resurrect that person at some point in the future. The movement was founded by a physics teacher and science fiction enthusiast from Detroit in the 1960s. And the first person frozen after death was in 1967. 
Today, it's thought that there are probably a couple hundred people cryogenically frozen around the world. And though cryonics has its skeptics, Bredo's grandson, Trigvi, was not one of them. Trigvi is an enigma, uh, wrapped around in Norway. He's a Norwegian wrapped around in a... I, can't, I don't know how to explain him, except that he's uh, an interesting cat. If you talk to him, you get this mad scientist. You know, you get this vibe that he's just, you know... So when you hear him explain it, it's, it's, you know, you're like, okay, well, that kind of sounds reasonable. One major unknown is if Grandpa Bretto wanted to be preserved and brought back to life one day. The only inkling of wishing, wishing he could live longer was when he went, when he was having heart trouble, he went to the doctor. And the doctor told him that if he were, if he were a younger man, he'd be able to give him a new heart. He could continue to live and his uh, grandfather said, well, if only I were a younger man. And he was just like repeating what the doctor said. But his, the Trigla thought, oh, you know what? Maybe someday we can get a heart for grandpa. That's how he thinks. So after his grandfather's passing, Trigvi decided that this was not going to be the end of Grandpa Bretto. It was just the end of Bretto's time in Norway. Because Trigvi, along with his mother, brought his grandfather to Los Angeles, where Bredo was cryogenically prepped and frozen. And a couple of years later, 1993, Trigvi bought a plot of land in Netherlands, and this was going to be Grandpa Bredo's final resting place. He placed his grandfather's casket in the mountain shed and made sure it was kept extremely cold, around negative 100 degrees. And this frozen preservation was not some one-time thing. Bredo's casket is surrounded with dry ice, styrofoam and plywood, and that dry ice has to be replaced every two weeks. Trigby's plan was to eventually build his own cryonics facility in Netherlands, but the plan did not go quite as Trigby had hoped. And then the grandson got deported. He was uh, he overstayed his visa. So when he got deported, he left his mother behind, who was at the time elderly, living on the property, making sure her dad had ice put on his body. But Trigby's mother wasn't in the U.S. much longer either. They were both deported by the end of 1994. But before they left, the town of Nederland got word that there was a body being kept in a box in a shed, which kind of weirded people out. They wanted Grandpa Bretto gone. It, it was very tense. It was contentious. Uh, there were there's still stories about it. Um, and there's it was covered well in, <laughs> in the news. Officials now say, though, that one way or another, this will not become a final resting place. She took on the board of trustees and eventually got him able to stay. And then she went back to Norway. With the family back in Norway, the Morstels needed somebody to take care of Grandpa Bredo. From Norway, they could send money for the dry ice, but they still needed somebody to actually get the dry ice, go to the shed, and replace it. And they found a guy who did it for about 18 years. After he did it, he handed the job off to a local woman who just lasted about a year before handing the job off to Brad. And then that's when I came in to the story. In 2014, Brad had just moved to Netherlands and was in need of something to keep him busy and to keep a little money in his pocket. I had come to the mountains to escape a trauma, you know, trauma related to working in healthcare. And I was a broken man. I was addicted. I was pretty strung out. 
So I uprooted myself and moved and lived out of my car to try and redirect my life. And this job fell into my lap as a gig. I was broke. Uh, it's no, there's really no money involved in this at all. It's not worth really the time now, but at the time it was gas money and it was little food money. And it only took a few hours to every two weeks. So I thought, yeah, I'll do that. For the past nine years, Brad has been making the trek up the mountain to the shed where Grandpa Bretto is in his coffin, changing out the dry ice every two weeks. The first part of this is always trying to formulate a uh, mental picture. No one gets this. So I, you know, I just, it's really not a hard routine. It's just consistent. It's every two weeks, rain or snow, four feet of snow or 40 mile an hour winds. I've been up there under all conditions, but it has to be done every two weeks. And um, that's been the stress of it. The routine is simply picking up a thousand pounds, 900 to 1200 pounds of ice every two weeks, drive it up the mountain and just unpack it and pack it around this metal coffin that's in a wooden shed. Over time, the tension with the town shifted a bit. Back in the 90s, folks in town were not very excited about the idea of a frozen corpse being in a shed on a nearby mountain. But as time went on, those attitudes changed. And in 2002, folks in Netherlands were looking for a way to bring in more revenue in the winter months. Aside from their ski resort and some hiking trails, there just wasn't much to do to bring in business. So during the winter, these restaurants would, and stores would suffer. So they said, well, let's have a festival. And, uh, oh, somebody said something about the frozen guy up on the hill. I don't know how it all just kind of got started, but it was like, well, let's have a festival about a frozen dead guy. And it started out a little drinking thing, and it just blew up over the course of almost 20 years. 20 years. Um, it just grew and grew and grew. Grandpa Bretto went from being dead to being dead and shunned, to being the centerpiece of an entire festival. And all in the name of him, this frozen dead guy up on the mountain, folks were coming into Netherland by the thousands. I think it's the thin mountain air. I think that's what it is. These people are crazy, man. So, and no, to be honest, in March, it's cold and windy and has been cold and windy for five months. And there was a need to break that uh, cabin fever mentality. So that's, it's all, to me, it was always the rites of spring, even though I always, you know, St. Pat's Day is kind of when I think spring's about to break. Well, Frozen Dead Guy Day was a couple weeks before, and that always initiated the thought of spring to me. Um, but to the people on the mountain, it's like, yeah, we could finally get out of our cabins and and then we had things like coffin races, which, you know, we had nice festival fun games that are really fun to watch. Brad told us that though Grandpa Bretto was a symbol of the festival, the event didn't really benefit him or his family much at all. As a matter of fact, the festival didn't support Grandpa at all, uh, monetarily, and they didn't use his image. They created their own, you know, trademark images and stuff. And, you know, we would coordinate and uh, I would take people up to the shed associated with the festival and they would take their pictures and I would do the interviews. And But, uh, yeah, as soon as the festival packed up the tents, he's forgotten until the next year. 
Brad, however, kept making those trips, the trips up to change the dry ice around Grandpa Bretto, regardless of weather, regardless of whatever else he had going on in his life. Eventually, though, issues came up once more, this time not with Bretto himself, but with the festival inspired by his presence. As it grew, then the festival grew into where they had music, you know, several tents, like We'd pitch three music tents throughout the town and a main stage tent. And, uh, you know, there were food vendors and a parade. You know, it, it blew. It just turned into a festival. Some people felt that the quaint town didn't have enough hotel rooms to support the huge festival. Others worried about the ruckus that came with thousands of people coming to one place and drinking and partying. Every year, it would, it would like, be a battle between those who wanted the festival and those who didn't want the aggravation. And after a while, the town just won, you know. The pandemic put a halt on the growing popularity of Frozen Dead Guy Days. And the festival was on hiatus until late 2022, when suddenly a new player entered the picture. And things that had been very stable for Grandpa Bretto changed abruptly. The Stanley Hotel is in nearby Estes Park, Colorado, and it announced that it was buying the rights to the Frozen Dead Guy days. It also negotiated with a cryonics company, Alcor Cryonics, to create a satellite cryonics location. And with a cryonics facility set to be built on their grounds, they got in touch with Brad and Tridvi about moving Grandpa Bretto and making the hotel his new home. Which would be part of, it's a uh, tourist attraction. So he'll be part of the tours of the hotel. The Stanley Hotel, by the way, has its own unusual claim to fame. It has a reputation as being one of the most haunted hotels in the country, and it inspired Stephen King's novel, The Shining. Brad thinks the new home for Grandpa Bretto is actually pretty great. This uh, acquisition from the Stanley Hotel was a godsend for me because I saw no end to this until... Someone stepped in. So I'm 65, and I'm a big man. I'm still very healthy. But I had to hand carry a 1,000 pounds of that ice over 75 yards, 50 pounds at a time, through four feet of snow drifts to get it to the shed because we, they had a big snow and couldn't get a plow up there. And if the ice is, uh, you know, dissipating and you have to get it there, then you have no other route but to carry it. (laughs) And that about killed me, man. It took me a week to recover. I'm like, I cannot keep doing this. Although Brad is relieved to be done with the hard labor, he's developed a bit of a soft spot for Grandpa Bretto. And at times he feels kind of bittersweet about the whole thing. I'm already starting to get a little solemn about it. See, I have grown, I I compare him to my grandfather. My grandfather, you know, they would have been about the same age. Um, But, you know, this guy, if you look at his picture, and he's just always just this beaming smile, and he's always standing next to a tree that he's, you know, properly cared for, or they're sitting above a fjord in the you know, enjoying a decanter of wine, and he's just big grins. And that was Trigba's whole thing. I think I haven't heard in an interview lately, he said he never heard him say a crossword or he never 
spoke out in anger and was oh. always kind. And I'm like, I could like, I'd like to get to know a guy like that, you know? So his pictures are all over the wall at the shed. And I go up there and uh, I'm spending a couple of hours, you know, in an infant setting with this guy. And you're going to, you're going to talk to him. But more than anything, Brad is happy that his old, long dead friend has a new, better place to rest. I know that, like, if you he's, it's like if you, any member of your family got promoted or moved up in stature, it's almost like that. He's going from this wooden shed to this, you should see the hotel, the Stanley Hotel is like immaculate. And, uh, the outbuilding that he's going to go to was a Victorian-era ice house that they have refurbished to the tune of a million dollars. Big, beautiful uh, structure that they used to store the ice in back in the day. And uh, that's going to be his new home. And so I'm happy for him. Grandpa Bretto is moving to the Stanley Hotel in August of 2023, we're not sure yet when the new digs will be ready, but keep tab on the Stanley Hotel's website for updates from there. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. This episode was produced by Baudelaire. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There is a link in the episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com/music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings, and voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton for the stay.